Hey, everybody, and welcome to 52 Weeks of Empowerment. I am your host, Andrea Pagnosi. I am also a career empowerment coach who is fiercely dedicated in getting everyone in 2022 to realizing their true career potential. This month, we're digging into situations that enable people to truly realize their career potential, things that may be holding them back only because they just don't feel comfortable or confident or have enough information on how to do it. We talked about consulting and contracting versus permanent employment. Today, we're going to approach this in kind of a cool way. It's going to be a bit of a case study perspective with an expert who helps people actually take the leap from the nine to five toward being a successful entrepreneur. I am incredibly excited to reconnect with a colleague of mine who is herself an amazing coach, and we share a lot of common if you really come down to it. Rochelle, Jesse, and I graduated IPEC together, and we were both very deep in the corporate confines when we became certified coaches. We were hoping, I think, that coaching would make us better at what we did. For me, that was organizational development. For Rochelle, she spent years as an HR leader, heavily focused on onboarding and orientation. And she and I both, I think, tired a little bit from burnout. I think many of you could probably relate. So she started her own business and mindset coaching organization for corporate women doing just what she did, turning a day-to-day nine-to-five with a side hustle of coaching and making that coaching the full-time business. So what I love about this episode is really Rochelle's pragmatism. It's going to be applicable to anyone looking to pivot careers full-time into entrepreneurial opportunities. Rochelle, welcome to 52 Weeks of Empowerment. Thank you so much, Andrea. It's so wonderful to be on here. It's wonderful to connect with you again. I mean, I can't believe how much time has gone by since IPEC. It's absolutely crazy. Time has been flying and it's just nice to really see how much things have changed for both of us in that amount of time. You and I kind of clicked because we came from very similar professional backgrounds and we were both taking coaching back to that workplace, at least for a time to really use coaching one-on-one as a side hustle, we were hoping to parlay it into something in the workplace. Tell us a little bit about your background and how that journey became more of a full-time gig than a side hustle. Sure. So I spent over seven years in the HR space in a global medical device manufacturing company. I actually, my first career started out in social work. It was a little short-lived. I decided I would take a different path and I went into HR because I've always been a people person. I've wanted to surround myself with people, have conversations, help people. That's always been a big part of who I've been. So HR just seemed like the next logical step for me. And I will always love my HR experience. It taught me a lot about being a professional. It enhanced my skills incredibly in the corporate setting, and it helped me find coaching. That's how I learned about the coaching industry was in my HR role, I was coaching leaders. I coached brand new leaders, mid-level management, senior management, and it finally took some consultants coming into the workplace for me to realize this is a thing. Like coaching is a thing. It's not just like a little skill or a part of a small role that you have. Coaching is its own industry. What I was learning through coaching and seeing others benefit from coaching was something I just wanted to do more of. 
So then I started diving into how do I learn more? I knew I was okay at it, but I'm like, I need more skills. I want more training. I want to be great. So I found IPEC, which is, you know, where we met. And after, you know, almost a year of that training and going through the certification process, similar to, to me, all of us were like, let's go get clients. We just want to do this now. Unfortunately, coach training teaches you how to coach and be a wonderful coach, but it doesn't teach you how to start and run your business as a coach. So, you know, I, I launched a, a small business of leadership coaching on the side of my HR job. And I just wanted the floodgates to open. I wanted people to know that I was a coach and just be like, great, we'll hire you. And unfortunately that didn't happen. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm, I'm doing my HR job. It's, you know, as you know, HR is demanding. We have fluctuations in our HR season where we're incredibly busy. There's always changing priorities in a large organization that we need to meet the demand for. So I was like, all right, if I need to learn how to start and run my coaching business, I want to dive in. I knew I couldn't leave my job yet because I didn't have any clients and I had a lot to learn in the business space, but I ended up hiring a business mentor learning a ton and slowly learning what it took to gain clients. But again, I still didn't make the jump because I knew I needed some stability in my coaching job. And it took some time for me to gain that. What I really had to do to grow the business, because you'll hear every day on social media, there's a million things you need to do. And if that's not really true, there's really some core things to do. So learning what those were, doing them consistently while I did my job, and then really determining the right time to leave my job and continue growing my business, really learning what I needed to do from a mindset growth standpoint to make sure that I was in a good place before I left that job. And that's personal for everybody. That's really where my journey was. It was not that clear cut, got my certification, started my business. It went booming. That's really why I decided to coach who I coach today, because I want to help with that transition. It's something very personal to me where you have a coaching business, you have the skills, you can't leave your job yet because you don't have clients, but you want to learn how to get to that point where that is your full-time job because it's your full-time passion. And how do you fill that gap and get to the point where you do want to be coaching on your own? Listening to you talk about this is deja vu to me because that's exactly what happened to me. I was in org development, so not so very, the distant cousin of HR, where we were doing more of the training and the skill and knowledge development. We owned leadership development as well, so very similar to what you were doing. Also in a health sciences capacity, but it is absolutely that epiphany moment for me and I can remember it to this day where I was having a conversation with my boss and out of nowhere I kind of was like but this type of a corporate confine no longer suits me and I just it was in a it was like I said an epiphany moment I want to talk about how you help others we can get into the principles of starting a business a little bit uh further into the episode but I typically compare the entrepreneurial mindset to writing a novel, and I'll tell you why. Everyone talks about it, few do it, few do it well. The idea just sort of sits on a shelf like a manuscript and it's never published, right? When people come to you and say, I wanna start a coaching business, where is their mindset? Like what's been the, the trigger for, and I know everybody to your point has a different story, but Where's their mindset when they're getting to the point of actually hiring somebody? That's such a great question. And, you know, it's 
kind of a combination of things, Andrea. It's excitement because they're like, yeah, I want to start the business, but also that fear of, I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to starting a business. I don't know how it's going to end up. What if I fail? What if I do so well that I'm not even prepared for the success that I'll have? So there's this mix of emotions and everyone goes through all of them. I've never had one client that's like, I'm fully excited. I have no fear. Let's go. And I've never had the opposite where one person feels complete opposite of that the entire time. It's this mix of emotions, which makes sense. We as people don't love change. We don't. Change is uncomfortable. Change brings you out of your comfort zone. And as coaches, we know that our gremlin, they like to keep us in what's comfortable. We don't like it to think about what happens if we like to stay in the, the area that we know. So they come with those mix of emotions. And my job is, first of all, to tell them that's completely normal. If you weren't feeling this mix of emotions, I would actually be more concerned. I really would, because I feel like you probably wouldn't be as aware of the transition that you're embarking on if you don't feel all of those at all different times in this journey. The big part, Andrea, of why I have mindset embedded into my business program is because it's absolutely critical. Mindset work has to be done, not at the start of building a business, not as you're scaling, but every step of the way. And that's the gap that I really saw for entrepreneurs and especially coaches. As coaches, we know the mindset work, but it's hard to do it on yourself. That's why coaches have coaches. You need somebody that can guide and facilitate that for you. So mindset work is a core pillar of the work I do with clients, complementary to the business building. It has to be along every step of the way. As you know, as a business owner yourself, it's not like once you start your business, you're good. You just face new obstacles. Your mindset work doesn't go away. It changes as you change and as you and your business evolve. Absolutely. One of the things that limits you when you're on a podcast that's audio is that nobody will see what I'm about to do. But when you hear the word pivot, you think pivot, you think like basketball, you think friends episode of the pivoting the couch up, up the staircase. If you haven't seen it, it's a classic friends episode that for some reason was pronounced pivot. It's a knee jerk. It's a quick reaction, but pivoting in career is not that. And what I hear you saying is you really kind of have to feel through those emotions to get to the point of really taking action. You have to be aware of them and not shut them down, but dig in. You have to lean into the emotions that you're feeling. And fear is probably the most common one that comes up. And it's fear in many ways for individuals. I went through it myself. It's fear of I won't be successful. Fear of what will people think? think that almost that one shows up more than anything. It's like, well, what will my parents think? What will my friends, my colleagues, so-and-so think? Are they going to judge me? Are they going to call me crazy? Are they going to support me? All of those things come up and it's important to acknowledge them and dig really deep into them. And that's what the coaching does. It's really gets to what's behind that fear for you. What specifically is driving that fear? And let's dig into it and let's bring it to the surface and let's talk about it. That's a great strategy. You specialize in taking the side hustle business from full-time to entrepreneurial. The side hustle is a comfortable way to, to make that pivot sort of happen gradually because you can, among other things, save money, business strategize, hire a business mentor or a coach. 
You have four specific steps to long-term business success that you work on with your clients. Can you tell us about them? Yes, absolutely. So I call them my four C's. And the first one is all about CEO mindset and business vision. And although mindset work is embedded throughout my entire academy, a lot of that is done up front. I mean, I really tap into having you create your entire business vision. And this is where some people, I actually posted content yesterday about one particular client that came to me and said, I'm not leaving my nine to five, but I do want to grow my business. And I said, sure, no problem. She quit her nine to five two months in (laughs) because the mindset work that was done in the beginning of this academy showed her what she really wanted for her business, what, what her coaching business was going to be desired to be for her, not just business-wise, but for her life. That's where we really map out, not just what you want your coaching business to look like, but what do you want your life to look like? And when she was connecting the dots through that mindset work, she was like, I don't want the nine to five. My nine to five does not support my business or the life I want. So I don't want it anymore. And it takes doing some of that mindset work to have that come to fruition for you. So the first module, the first C, the CEO mindset and business vision is mapping everything out in a very strategic way, but implementing a lot of mindset work that allows you to be able to do that. It's not just sitting down pen and paper and writing goals down. You're creating your future life and your future business in that first module and really setting the stage for your coaching business. And then we jump right into connecting with your market. That's the second module. And that is all about how can I help you really create a competition of none for your coaching business in a saturated market like coaching? Everyone says, oh, there's a million coaches out there. How will you ever get clients? It's actually pretty easy. You find the gap in your market and you target that. You fill that gap and you stand out as a category of one. And there is no more competition for you. That is what I work very closely with all of my clients on in that second module is how do we fill the need of your audience, fill the gap in your industry and make you stand out among zero competition for whatever niche you are in, whether it's relationship coaching, uh, transition coaching, coaching, career coaching, whatever it may be. Then we work on all the systems and processes of running a coaching business in the third module. It's all about SOPs. It's about client workflows, client journeys, backend processes. This allows you to work as a CEO in your business. It takes you out of the daily grind. We construct the things that you actually need to do to grow your coaching business, not the 500 things that gurus and everyone on social media tells you to do because that changes every single day. Mm -hmm. We really break down what needs to be done and how will you do it specific for your business. And then the fourth one is it's all about sales. And Andrea, this is where people are like, ooh, I don't want to sell. I don't like selling. And I get it. I don't either. So I teach ways of no cold pitching, no cold emailing, the icky stuff that people are typically on the receiving end of. It's nothing that I do is aligned with that. I teach very organic ways of holding sales conversations. I teach ways of attracting people organically, ways of getting yourself out in front of different audiences in a way that feels good. Because as coaches, we're the opposite of that icky car salesman that hunts you down and tries to shove your offer down their throat, right? We, we're listeners, we're questioners. That's what our skill is. These sales processes 
were made for coaches. They're not just the standard things that you're hearing from people that are VAs and graphic designers. These are very specific to the coaching industry and very aligned with the coaching methodology. Well, I'll raise my glass to that <laughs> glass of water right now, but it's, it should be champagne because there are so many people that when I hung my shingle out, as they said, to, you know, start to promote the fact that I was taking on clients and I was a coach, I'm sure it happened to you. Vultures would come at me on social media and say, and I call them vultures to the truest extent because they were after money. They were after my vulnerability they were filling my head full of gobbledygook about how I was supposed to position my business. And I will tell you, every single one of my clients that goes entrepreneur from full-time, every industry, it's not just coaching, people are guarded with baloney. I want to say another word, but I want to be respectful to the FCC. So... <laughs> What are some of the pitfalls and pratfalls and mistakes that you see people making that come to you and say, I'm tr I've tried, I'm not doing it right. I'm never going to be successful. You know, one of the things, and it's probably the most common thing that I hear from, you know, peers in the, in the coaching community and even my clients as they join in is their messaging is not attracting the right people. And this is where, gosh, I felt it. So I, I understand it, but coaches don't want to limit their audience by saying, I work with this population of people and solve this type of problem, right? Like the typical, I help who with what statement, right? I help for me, I help corporate women turn their coaching side hustle into a full-time business. That's my messaging. People don't want to do that because they want to help everyone. Mm -hmm. And I get that. And as coaches, especially if you've gone through any type of coach training program, you are equipped to help everyone. You really are. I mean, you have the coaching skills. You know how to ask really deep and powerful questions. However, from a marketing standpoint, that does not allow you to stand out in a saturated coaching market. That does not allow you to elevate yourself as an expert authority on a certain topic within a certain niche. And today people hire specialists. They don't want to hire generalists. And I think Andrea, you might've heard me make this, um, use this metaphor in a, a live training I did. But if you think about it, if you have a stomach problem, let's say you're, you're having some stomach issues, you could go to your primary doctor and they'll probably help you. It might take a little while, but they'll maybe do a blood test. Maybe they'll have you do some imaging and whatnot, try some certain things out. Or you could go to someone who's like a digestive specialist and they're going to get you that answer much more quickly because they specialize in the challenge and problem that you are having. People want to hire somebody, whether it's a coach or any industry really, that they know can help them with the challenge they're having. People that broadcast, I'm a coach, you know, I'm just a general life coach. I guarantee you those coaches are phenomenal at coaching. However, if someone sees marketing about someone being a general life coach, it's not going to have them stop the scroll on social media to say, oh, I got to hire her. She's a general life coach. No, they want to see messaging that says, I help you with this problem that you have. And that's going to make them stop and say, oh. Yeah, that's so she's talking to me. She knows the problem I have. She must be able to help me with that problem. I should inquire and find out more about whatever offer she has. That's a great call out because 
we get caught up when we're trying to sell something by hooking people. We, we want to anchor them in. And when we're trying to amass our fortune in the beginning of opening up a business, which I say that very tongue in cheek, but we're trying to just make a buck. We're trying to just make a dollar, you know? And so we're like, we can't turn anybody down. If I micro niche, you know, I'm not going to get the type of income. I'm going to eliminate all these other people. I'll tell you, all of those other people are ignoring your message. So you're eliminating them anyway. You have a greater sense of success when you double down on the specificity and the value proposition that you bring to people. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And this is where I get the biggest hesitation. And I totally understand it because I, I let my clients know I went through this too. I felt like, oh, if I niche down further, ooh, I don't know if that's going to work. It always works. It always works. When you get specific on who you want to work with and the challenge or problem that you want to help them and coach them through, it always works. But I get that hesitation. Mm -hmm. And the second my clients do niche down further, what do you know? They've got people DMing them about, oh, I saw your your post or I see your niche statement. Like I'm going through that right now. It's like the flip of a light switch. It does work. You kind of just have to move through it being a little uncomfortable when you make that decision, knowing that it's going to benefit you. If you think of any great entrepreneur and you listen to their story about how they became successful, made a lot of mistakes along the way. I mean, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, any of these people that have taken a business, even if it's a corporate business, had some sort of a vision. It's about that vision that they followed. When they come down to the nucleus of what made them become entrepreneurs, it was a simple idea. It was a simple idea. That's all it was. And they took a risk. We talked about gremlins on many shows throughout this year, the things that hold you back, limiting beliefs, assumptions, interpretations, the gremlin on our shoulder. What do you find is the biggest thing holding people back? I know you spoke specifically to fear earlier. Which fear is it that's holding people back the most? Oof, yeah, that's a good question. So I would say... The fear of failure, the fear of I'm not going to be able to make it well enough where I can replace what I'm making at my current job with my coaching business. How do you overcome it? Oh, so what I love to do, it's an exercise I did myself and I have my clients do it is I have them write down literally a list, pen and paper. What are the absolute worst things that can happen? You leave your corporate job. What are the worst things? And I, I, I tell them, don't hold back. Write down every bad thing that you can come up with. Sit down for 30 minutes and just make a whole entire list. Then when they have that list, they're usually like, oh my gosh, like there's so many things. And I said, perfect. Good. I'm glad you got it all down. Have the awareness. These are all the things you think that can happen if you leave your job to go full-time with your coaching business. What I have them do next is, What's the probability of this happening realistically? Because I mean, sometimes clients will, will write, I'll lose all my family and friends because I'm going to, and I'm like, let's think about this. How's, what's the probability that your friends and family are going to not support you in, in your full-time coaching business and they're all going to drift away and something like that's going to happen. And then they go, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so I have them really write down, what's the probability of each of these things happening? 
sometimes it is a higher probability, especially when it comes to money. Like, Hey, this could maybe not work. And maybe, you know, this is a 70% probability that my income won't match up. So for those in particular, I have them write down, what is your plan B if this happens? Mm. Let's say three months into quitting your job, you have your coaching business, things aren't going the way you want it to income wise. What's your plan B? What would you do? And they said, well, I'd get a part-time job to fill the gap. Perfect. That's a great plan B. If you notice that your income is not matching where it should be a few months out, yeah, get a part-time job, fill that, close that gap a little bit. I like to call those bridge jobs. They could be part-time coaching jobs. There's a million part-time coaching jobs on Indeed that I have people look at. I go, if that's going to fill the gap and give you that financial security where you're not going to lose sleep at night or wonder how you're going to pay your bills next month, go for it. Do that. Whatever is going to make you not have that scarcity mindset, that's your plan B. So I have them write down the plan B for anything that has a high probability of possibly happening. And then I also have them decide, when are you going to know you need to do the plan B? Mm -hmm. At what point, if you look at your bank account and you say, okay, I know what my expenses are. I know how much fun money I want to have or safety money I want to have. At what point are you going to look at your statement and say, okay, I'm a couple months away from hitting into my emergency fund. So now I need to start looking for that, that bridge job. So I have them pick, you know, a dollar amount per se, where they're going to say, okay, this is when I need to start looking for that. Andrea, you would be shocked at how just doing this exercise it just, it alleviates and they're like, okay, well now I know what I need to do. So if, if my, if I hit a point where a few months out, I'm not making enough money, here's the dollar amount I'm going to look at to start looking for that bridge job. And I'll start looking for that. So it's just, it's taking the fear, acknowledging it, knowing, okay, this, Hey, these fears they're they're viable. It makes sense to have these, but how can you navigate around these so that you're not just going to go look for another full-time job and say, forget about it. I'm done. But know that, you know, you have these options to help alleviate some of these possible pain points that might come your way. People are, that then they have a game plan. And when you have a game plan, it, it takes the fear. It, it might not take the fear entirely away for some, but it completely minimizes it. And my clients are like, okay, I'm good now. I've got it all written down. I know what I'll do. I saw a funny meme about coaching the other day, which was a progressive meme. And it had in the first you started out with a life coach and in the second you went to a business coach and then you went to a relationship coach because you were finally making enough money to be in a relationship. And then you went to a divorce coach because the relationship didn't work out. And then you came back to a life coach. It was this whole progressive thing, but it says to people, there is a market for everybody, particularly in coaching. I think you could do that in sales and, you know, uh, IT consultancy, which previous guest was uh, engineering, whatever the industry is. What do you find? I am so curious about this question. What do you find are the types of jobs that people are leaving most to become coaches? Oh, I love this question. So I find with my clients so far, the people-centered positions like HR Oh, I would say 75% of my clients have come from the HR world. Mm -hmm. um, I also teaching, again, a very 
people-centered type of industry where they're working with people. They've likely used coaching skills in their job to some extent, and they, they, they found passion in that and they take that full time. But the HR industry, a hundred percent is where I find more than half of my clients coming into coaching it. They love it. And they're like, let me do this full time. This is what I enjoy most out of my job. So why not turn it into a full-time career for myself? Yeah, I have a theory about that, which is centered along in our existence as human beings, having just experienced a pandemic, now an endemic, that the individuals, the professionals that were affected the most, HR, teachers, so many industries that were really impaled by this pandemic are moving into coaching because they, they want to help other people. They saw people go through a really difficult time. What they used to do is no longer fulfilling to them. It's not what they wanted to do anymore because they weren't treated well in the whole situation. I find it really, really so wonderful that you have dedicated your time to doing this because it's scary. Those are safe jobs. HR, you can always find another job. If they have a layoff and they downsize, you can always find another HR job or you go into recruiting and you do it as a consult or contract and contract to hire. Teachers, you always need teachers. There's never a shortage of teachers, right? Really, it's, it's great to see you stepping up and helping people take that transition step. You mentioned money. Money is a big one. That's a big fear. Um, you know, <clears throat> you you can never have enough and you, you can never have too much either. <laughs> the reality is it's it's a big leap for people because you're not any longer at least getting benefits. You're not any longer getting a 401k you know, distribution or contribution from where you're working. Are you hearing this as a fear? And if so, how are you addressing that with your clients? Before I, I jump into how I'm addressing it, like I, I remember, cause it wasn't that long ago that I was in, you know, the nine to five in HR and thinking about the performance review process, not just from the HR side of administering it, but also as the employee who was getting an increase, getting a bonus and, I remember the past couple of years that I had been there, it was like a 2% increase and I was a good performer. That was for people that were performing well. And I remember thinking this doesn't even match inflation. The cost of inflation in our state is like 7% right now. So my increase amount doesn't even match that. And I don't have control over my income. I get a salary. I get a minimal increase, if anything, per year. If we hit as a company our targets, maybe I get a bonus. Maybe I don't, though. I have I don't have much control over that. So I remember sitting back and being like, yes, I can count on getting the same amount of money every other week in a paycheck, but that's it. I can't count on being able to make more money. I could perform extremely well, but that doesn't mean next month I'm getting more money. That means I'm just getting the same amount of money. So people like to think, well, I have, you know, that stability of that paycheck. And yes, I agree, you do. However, you have very, very limited, if any, control about making more money than that. You really, you have very limited control. In your business, 
you do have control. And this is where people are like, oh, but I only have control if I get clients. Well, exactly. That's why we build the systems to make sure you get consistent clients and you scale it as much as you want to. So sales, I like to say it's not just a numbers game because everyone says sales is a numbers game. Yes, it is a numbers game. It's also a people game. Sales comes from building relationships and it doesn't come from cold pitching your bio and your offers in a DM like you talked about earlier, Andrea, that we get probably on a daily basis. It comes from building an audience, building relationships with people that you feel are the people that you want to help in your coaching business and then determining, okay, how many conversations do I need to have with people in order to hit my sales target for this month? So if you, I'm just going to throw out random numbers. If you wanted to have 10K months, that, that's a very popular number that people say, I want to have a 10K month. Um, you need to know, okay, how many packages, how many coaching programs do you need to sell? Here's a hint. And this is what I do with clients. Don't sell hourly because you'll never get there. It's going to be very hard to sell hourly coaching and hit any kind of you know high ticket number for your month for your ROI. I teach my clients to have high ticket coaching programs. So you only need to acquire one to two clients a month to hit a five figure month in your business. But, you know, back to the numbers, you just need to decide, okay, how many people do I want to have conversations with? Do I want to network with? Do I want to talk about my program with in order to hit that? Knowing that your, your close rate might be about 30% or so, that sets the, the number for how many conversations should you have in order to get that monthly revenue that you want. And this is all a formula that I work out with people in the program, but it's really, it's a numbers game and it's just a people game. It's a people game in terms of how many people do you need to get in front of? And it's not get in front of in an icky, cold sales type of a way. It's having conversations. Sales is all about conversations. And it doesn't have to feel like you need to pitch people. That's not what it is. It's gaining a relationship and building a relationship with someone, providing value to them, and then deciding together if your program's a right fit for them or not for that time. And really, this is truly compatible um, and applicable to any industry that you're going into as an entrepreneur. You're still going to have to research your market. You're still going to have to have a powerful, I help who with what statement. You're still going to have to have a nest egg and still going to have to answer those questions about what is it going to, what do I need to make to comfortably live what was I making in a corporate environment that I'm now no longer going to have? How do I supplement my income if need be on those light months? Does it look like a plan B of a part-time job? Or does it look like creating a course or something like that? Doing, In the case of coaching, um, a lot of people are breaking into group coaching situations or consulting with businesses or you mentioned uh, working with companies like Better Up and some of these other part-time coaching gigs that can really not only help you financially, but help you hone your skills. So there's all of these opportunities, not just for coaches, but for individuals that are becoming entrepreneurs. And I often tell people, set aside 45 minutes or a week, an hour a week to really continue to hone your skills in some way, whether it's LinkedIn learning, whether it's Coursera, whether it's 
going online and seeing people like you who have these academies that can really help kickstart your programs. Um, this has been a powerful session. And I really want to empower people, especially those female coaches out there that are looking to open up their coaching businesses. How do they work with you? How do they contact you? Um, and how they get started? You know, I, I typically have clients come to me at two different stages. Uh, one of which is they haven't started their coaching business yet, but they, they want to. They're like, I'm ready to. I just don't know how. So they come to me either at that stage or they've started their business and they're just not seeing the results. It's maybe they get one client, maybe they get two clients every other month. It's just not consistent where they're like, I can leave my job yet. So those are about the two different starting points people come to me at. And you can reach out to me um, via my website, which is rochellejesse.com. Um, I have a form you can fill out, schedule time with me. You can also join my Facebook group, which is free. It's private. It's called the Business Building Incubator for Female Coaches. I go live every single week and do training. You can DM me right from Facebook and say, hey, I want to chat with you. I want to learn more. Um, those are the two ways that most people contact me. But yeah, I would say go to my website, check out my program. I Like I teach my clients, if you want to get on a call with me, it is not uncomfortable. I will not try to force you into my program. It's really a very... Um, easy, natural conversation. And it's just seeing if this is a good fit for you. I'm honest. And if I don't think it's a good fit for you, I let you know. So um, don't be afraid or don't, don't hesitate to reach out, DM me, go to my Facebook group, go to my website and inquire there and let's have a conversation. Like I said, I'm very honest. I'm very easygoing. So let's see if it's a good fit for you. And my academy is six months long. Typically, that's because it takes a while to get things going. It's not a one month, 30 day, 90 day, get 10 months quickly type of program. This is building your business and it's building it so it can be sustainable. So that takes some time. And I like to spend that time with clients to make sure they get to that point in their business before they leave me. When are you running your next academy? So it is evergreen. That's a great question, Andrea. Uh, people can sign with me any day of the week. I have options for one to one. If someone really wants to just have one-to-one -one access to me, or I do group and with group, people can come into the group at any point. It's all hot seat coaching. And I have a whole training course and module where people watch self-paced training videos. They do worksheets and templates. And when they submit it to me, I get to hot seat coach every single person on that group call. So you pretty much get one-to-one -one coaching just in a group setting from me. So there's really not much of a difference. I have people that love the group format because you build a community of coaches and that's like the best part about it. You now have a network, you learn from each other, you get to, to support each other. So we're very, very community-based coaches. So if we're not the right fit for you, chances are we know somebody who has the exact same program. We're not the right people for you. We know people who are. So please reach out regardless. We can connect you with the people that can truly get you to realizing that true career potential that we're so dedicated to. I want to thank Rochelle Jesse. This has been a great opportunity for us to reconnect. And I am just so proud and just humbled by what you're doing for, for female coaches. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been awesome to chat with you. I hope that 
anyone listening got some great value and tips from it. And thank you for, for sharing this platform with me. It's, it's awesome. And I look forward to continuing to connect. Absolutely. And for everybody out there, we hope you've gotten the most you can out of this. If you're looking to make the leap from full-time to entrepreneur, you can do it. We're here to help. We'll be back here next week. Same time, same place, more power. Thank you.